I just really want a year where everyone continues to get out of this pandemic, get past that and be healthy and enjoy and travel and get out, have fun. Have lunch with Shelly. Have lunch with Shelly. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Welcome to Lunch with Shelly, the podcast featuring conversations with colleagues, friends, family, business leaders. At lunch, here's Shelly. Welcome to the latest episode of Lunch with Shelly. As always, I have a very special and fun guest to have lunch with today at the fantastic Cafe Milano. Today's guest is my pal Julie Chase, a great and very funny friend and colleague, as well as a frequent flyer here at Cafe Milano, too. So it makes lots of sense that we are having our lunch here par usual, along with our terrific engineer, producer Cleavon Davis. Julie is the president and CEO of Chase PR, a full-service national media relations and marketing communications firm based in Washington, D.C. She began her public relations career with Lori Chase and Associates in San Francisco and then founded Chase Communications in San Francisco and D.C. in 1997. Chase Communications was acquired by Levick Strategies in 2017, where Julie was corporate practice group chair representing corporate clients across multiple industries, including financial services and real estate, healthcare, transportation, education, associations, individuals, and crisis events. Julie is deeply committed to civic involvement in both the D.C. and Bay Area communities. She's been a V Foundation for Cancer Research Board member since 2018, chairing the D.C. area signature event each year. It's a fantastic organization and a great event that I know we'll delve into further today. She is also a board member of QL Plus, an organization providing innovative solutions to veterans and first responders. She's on the 2024 Army-Navy Game Committee, and she's on the Advisory Council for the 2024 Solheim Cup. Julia served as a committee member to the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Washington, the Trust for the National Mall and the Lombardi Cancer Center, and is a current member of the Economic Club, the Bay Area Council, and the Urban Land Institute. And believe me when I tell you that there are two more paragraphs of incredible philanthropic work that Julie has spearheaded or participated in, but it would take us through the appetizers to go through them all. Julie has a BA in international relations and a minor in art history and concentration in Spanish from Georgetown University. I had no idea you spoke Spanish so well, Jules. It's so fun to keep learning more about my dear friends when I go through their actual bios. Julie is an avid runner, art enthusiast, and a dog lover just like me. All things we'll get to explore during lunch today. And lastly, rather pertinent for the times we're living in, Julie and I have a bipartisan or nonpartisan friendship. And I really want to emphasize that because our world seems to get more polarizing each day. And yet Julie and I have no problem getting together and happily talking for hours and having a great time with no issues. Always with a nod to our differences, but also always with humor and respect. I really treasure that about our friendship, Julie. And for this reason and all of the others just mentioned, 
I am thrilled to host you for lunch today, so without further ado, welcome to Lunch with Shelly Julie, and let's have lunch. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. And I wonder what we'll have. <laughs> yes. I hope the world isn't absolutely bored listening to all of that <laughs> description. My God. I mean, there's so much philanthropy, and it's so funny. I, you know, will be out of order, as I always am, but I feel like I've known you so well, and I didn't even bother to count the years, but let's call it 15? Something oh, yes. like that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And, um, I mean, this. I knew that you were involved in so much stuff, but, like, my goodness, what is? where did your love from philanthropy come from? I think it really started as a Sacred Heart student, you know, where it was about giving into the community, giving back to the community. I don't even say giving back. I just, you know, just do it. You should Being always involved. do it. Yeah. yeah. And so we had a program where every Tuesday afternoon we were supposed to be out doing something for the whole balance of the day. And I love that. It was instilled in me. So that's kind of where it started. And then the other part of it is I just can't imagine not being community involved. Uh, and then, you know, because I don't have children, I feel like this is my way to just give. Well, you and have meet furry and, children. I do have furry <laughs> children, little Macomb and Woodley, <laughs> who keep me more busy than most children. <laughs> right. But I'm sorry, you, you just say that you can't imagine not being so involved. I can't. And um, I, I have been on many, many boards, you know, going back to um, my San Francisco days when I first started the firm. So it was anything from architectural heritage to health-related or education-related. Related. I was on, um, helped started a charter school out there, um, was involved with um, liver cancer because I had a, excuse me, liver, um, the American Liver Foundation because I had a client who had had a liver um, uh, replacement. And just on and on with that. So it was, it was fascinating. I um, was asked by a friend of mine who actually had uh, quit his uh, career as an attorney, went back to Harvard. And got a degree in education and wanted to start a charter school in San Francisco, which became Leadership High School, which now is veritably a franchised, um, kind of a its own school system in and of itself between Northern California and Southern California. So I sat on that board from our very first meeting until the graduation of the first class. Wow. So freshman through senior. Great way to understand what goes into the education, into how to take care of the teachers, their insurance, um, how to involve the parents in it. It was it was wonderful, and in fact, it was ironic at that time. Reed Hastings, who owns Netflix, was very involved in the charter movement in the San Francisco legislature, well, in the California legislature, and I got to know him through that, um, which has been nice to just sort of have that as a takeaway. I think it's so cool that you're so bicoastal. Yes, bicoastal and yeah. you know, um, forgiving of all. In both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I think if you're in the world of media relations and you're taking on clients with all sorts of issues, and especially in the crisis, it's kind of like you're an attorney. And you have to assume someone is innocent or doing right. the right thing before right. wrong. And so I always am gentle towards what side. You know, what are, what's going on here? Where's the truth? Right. And so that goes into our bipartisanship. You, if you aren't spending time with what is supposedly not your party, then you're not understanding what the other side wants. So therefore, you begin to straddle both sides because there's there's not absolutes. There's a lot of gray area. And I have voted across the aisle. I have, you know, I've voted, voted for what's right. 
And, yeah. you know, meeting you, I don't think you walked around with, you know, your party on your sleeve any more than I do. I am a blue dog Democrat, which tells you a little bit. Um, as a business owner, you know, I have a lot of Republican fiscal policy. As a D.C. resident and as a former San Francisco resident, I have a lot of humanitarian Democratic policy. Um, but they also can be merged. Right. And they, they both make sense. Well, ironically, I was at a dinner party last night where um, the hostess had invited um, two of the gentlemen, uh, Paolo and Liam, who are active with Humanity Forward, which is dedicated to creating a more bipartisan uh Reality on Capitol Hill. I had met them a week or two earlier over at Charlie Palmer, um, where they were introducing some of their lead um, supporters, which is Tom Tillis and um, Senator Hickenlooper, and then Senator um, Hassan from New Hampshire. And we were talking about the need to really bring Senate and Congress together, Democrats and Republicans. And I'm kind of passionate about that. And again, it, maybe it goes to our relationship, Shelley, because when I was just a little girl out in Potomac, Maryland, there was a congressman from Ohio across the street from me, and I babysat his kids. And he would have a steak roast for Tip O'Neill every June. Now, at that time, this is what, late 70s or mid-70s? And um, there weren't a lot of women in Congress right. and Senate, if none. Right. And I was the only female there being the babysitter and would run around. But I, I noted that there were Republicans and Democrats. I mean, I, I, was, I was 12 years old, but I'm looking at this and just seeing that everyone was getting along. And that era of Tip O'Neill is long gone and really needs to come back. Well, that was part of the reason. I mean, I wanted to have you on the podcast because I think you're hilarious and smart and fun. And it was time. <laughs> but um, you're right. I mean, it's it's uh, a lost art to talk to people who disagree in one sense. And you and I do talk about politics. We only just touch on it. I mean, I don't think that we delve too far into it. But, again, with a nod to some humor and love, you know, like we agree to disagree. And we have so much else in common. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter. But I think it's a really lovely sentiment to remind people that Washington used to be that way. You and I are this. This way, and I hope that people can just become friendlier. Um, and I think that one of the reasons it went away is because with um, Congress running every two years, and the Senate doesn't, you know, right. they, they've got a longer term. I know the House but has a tough time. Congress is constantly back in their districts, and so they have no way, or they have less of a way to really bond with each other. And I, I've heard that they go on Codels and they start to begin to right. bond. Co and also, Codels became um, maligned because it, I mean, you can consider it a waste of money, although it is uh, very useful and it's important for members to get out of their states, depending on what committees they're in. But Codels uh, became verboten, and so there was less and less time, mm -hmm. to your point, for them to hang out together, right. and plus they weren't dining together. Right. So, again, right. they should have lunch. They should. <laughs> <laughs> I think all Everybody the Republicans and all the Democrats should have just lunch gather. together. You're listening to Lunch with Shelley. Let's go back to D.C., because you are a D.C. native. 
Right. So uh, talk to us about growing up and where did you grow up and where did you go to school? And you're still here, so let's do the whole panoply of right. you. <laughs> right. Except well, for the San Fran aspect. Exactly. Well, you know, born in D.C., um, technically, you know, Columbia Hospital for Women, which I love because when I did go to San It's no longer there. Right. Well, and ironically, my client... Uh, MRP Realty, um, Bob over there, Bob Murphy is the one when he was at Trammell Crow actually did the renovation. So it's funny that I now am close with them as a client and that's where um, I was born and I think one of the last babies in the last you know several years was my niece. Um, Sam so, was born there too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I love that and in fact one of the funniest things when I moved back here from my 15 years in San Francisco I went headlong into a lot of uh, City Hall, D.C. politics because one of my clients, McFarland Partners, was um, in the stadium deal for D.C. United back then. And so I'd meet all these people and I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm from D.C. You know, I just came back from San Francisco, but I'm from here. And they'd say, oh, really? What hospital were you born in? Right. So it's, it's really it's better than a blood test. <laughs> That's so that's funny. been great. And then um, being back here in Georgetown, I mean... Well, that's what I was going to say. So crazy. you're a Hoya. I'm a Sam Hoya. Sam is a Hoya. Yep. And now you live in Georgetown. Again. So what is it about Georgetown that you love so much? And here are some follow-up questions. What is it that you love so much? Where is it that you love to lunch, in addition to Cafe Milano? And where do you take out-of-town guests in Georgetown? Oh, interesting. Okay. So... Um, I will confess, when I came back from San Francisco, I didn't think I'd come back to Georgetown because I thought, come on, Julie, you know, get get real. It's so nice, though. It's my ninth address in Georgetown. Right. That's counting my first dorm room. Okay. (laughs) So I do love it here. Does that count? I guess it counts. It does. Okay. It's an address. Right. Um, But I think that um, living here is like living a vacation because, I mean, the walkability. Uh, Yes, I do come here to Cafe Milano all the time. (laughs) I love to go to Martin's. I love to go to Peacock Cafe. Right. Um, I've got my CVS. I've got my nail people, my hair people, my eyebrow people. All in walking distance. Everything. I know. And the water. Yes, and the water where I go running, run to Lincoln every day. I mean, it is perfect. So. I think there's a lot to be said. Um, when and if you feel Lamare and everything down there at, at the waterfront is beautiful. Um, when friends come in from out of town, of course I say Cafe Milano. Right. I mean, it's just like you guys want to, you know, see and go somewhere cool. This is the right. place. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And Martin's, especially around Christmas time, right. don't miss that. Right. Um, and then you know, it's just again, it's 13 minutes from the airport, so this is an easy place to be. No, we're not on the metro, but we've got plenty of other options, and you can get anywhere. Um, with the circulator That's the only drawback, although some people think it's not a drawback to not have a metro in Georgetown. I just don't know how we'd handle the density. I mean, if people really came in here, the, the, the sidewalks get pretty full sometimes. Well, Sam is so enamored with this idea that there's going to be a tram. A gondola. You, a gondola. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it'll never happen. Do you? Uh, it sounds crazy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, my I God. I think it could happen. I mean, it would be also a tourist draw in a way. I, so. Well, that's what they're saying. All of those yeah, things. It'd be pretty. I worry about liability. Of Me course. too. Yeah. I worry about the safety of it. And right. it, yes, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would get on that gondola. Yeah. 
Um, so you wouldn't say the Exorcist stairs? <laughs> oh, well, I used to run them when Did I was you? in college. I, mean, I ran them all Rock the time. On. You know, when we had right. competitions. I'd have guys who'd go, okay, let's see what you can do. Really? So, yeah, I'd show them. I love God. the way they're hollowed out from being there for so I long. I have actually, I've only looked up them, I think, or down them. I don't know. I haven't oh. been there in years. Because okay. it actually is sort of a weird, you know, now it's very on the edge of Georgetown for me. Well, so you bring up a good point. You know, you get so spoiled living here that you kind of forget what riches I are know. here. Like, I have never done the Dumbarton tour. I'm embarrassed oh, to say that. Oh, is so pretty. Right. I walk right. by it with my dogs all right. the time. Don't do it. Right. Um, and there's so many other tours around here, and there's so many hidden secrets. Right. Um, I know that I, I got very irritated when we had the protests, um, the Black Lives Matters protests that happened during the pandemic, and they were marching down my street on 30th. Um, saying, you know, F the police and Black Lives Matter and everything else. And it was just so unfair because they were defacing a path that was actually on the Underground Railroad. Right. I mean, that goes up to one of the first Baptist churches that was a refuge on the Underground Railroad. And so, and they were screaming, this is a gentrified place. Well, it's pretty historic. I don't think you can gentrify an historic place. As hard as one many, might try. Exactly. Right. I mean, we right. have too many That's covenants. That's one thing you're not on, Jules. Have you been on like the Georgetown <laughs> Association Home Builders? No, no, no. I did that stuff in San Francisco. <laughs> so San Francisco is my second home. Right. And, you know, I, I did leave my heart in San Francisco for sure. Oh, don't say that. Your heart there. is right here. <laughs> it is. Well, okay. I have a bipartisan heart. But That's funny. <laughs> I know. A bicoastal heart. Right, a bicoastal you're half and half. I am. I am. You're listening to Lunch with Shelley. Let's talk about the Bee Foundation because I know it's so near and dear to your heart, and I think it's so, well, it's near to dear to my heart. It's near and dear to so many Americans, or I don't know, the world. So tell us a little bit about it, please. So After I was talking about all the different. Um, boards that I've been on over the years, and I really, I appreciate everything that I've contributed, but I really wanted to stop everything and go towards cancer, because my brother had lost his leg to bone cancer when he was 15. We were in a clinical trial at NIH. Um, He was with about approximately 28 kids total, and he was veritably the only survivor, so it was a very impactful time for me. Um, And I just, from that moment on, I thought, am I going to go into medicine or what can I do? Because I'm just so excited that my brother survived after making hard decisions. There was another girl in the same program who didn't um, opt to amputate her leg, and she did not survive after 14 more operations. So that kind of got me on a trajectory. You know, that was I was 11 years old at that time. So then we go forward from there. And then when I did just come back here from San Francisco to D.C. in 2007, in short order, my mother told me she had cancer as well. Thank you. And from there, I just dug in harder and harder. As it turns out, one day my mother had a dear friend of hers um, join us when my mom and I were going to get a lunch. And that woman used to work at ESPN. And she said her friend was in town. That woman had been the director of marketing at ESPN. And when she heard me talk about my passion to do something for cancer and cancer research, et cetera, she said, Julie, 
I'm going to give you a ticket to go to Napa, California, and go to our V Foundation wine celebration. And here's a ticket. You get out there yourself. I didn't you, know this yeah. beginning. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so I just went out there cold. I didn't know what in the heck I was doing. And well, you then, heard the word Napa. <laughs> and I knew and Napa. I was comfortable cancer, with it. Right, but, right. But so I just went out, and it was, you know, a two- to three-day event. And, you know, got the hotel rooms, got the airfare, whatever, went out there. And what really struck me was we did do a little event the night before that I was invited to. There's many other events now that I participate in. But, you know, I was a newbie trying to, you know, find my way. And the big event was the next day on Saturday. But in the morning, there was a scientific advisory board meeting where you could go and the scientists um, all shared what they had accomplished with the grant money that went towards the foundation over the prior year or years. And I just nearly cried. I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing that you are sharing what you've done. It's not like just going to a black tie dinner and right. you're celebrating. Right. You're really learning what's there. It, it just had such gravitas and such importance for me. So I was so sold that I immediately I bumped into um, Jimmy V's brother. Of course, Jimmy was no longer there, um, but Nick Valvano and immediately said, I would love to do something with this. Kept pounding away at it kind of quietly with this woman, and Rosa. by the way, V is for Valvano. It is for right. Jimmy Valvano. Right. Jimmy V, the coach, you know, don't give up, don't ever give up. And um, anyway, Rosa, you know, beat it on me. I beat it on her. And it took several years. If that was, um, you know, my mom passed in 2013, so I think this was around 11 or 12 and then it wasn't until 18 right. that I finally, um, a gentleman named Harry Rhodes, who was a founding board member, also the co-founder of the Washington Speakers Bureau, called me one day and said, Rosa says I should meet you. And we went to dinner at uh, Shea Billy Soup, and he starts talking to me. And I said, hang on a second, are you asking me to be on the board? And he said, yes. And I said, are you kidding? Wow. <laughs> so that's where it started. Good and I, things. I yeah. mean, sometimes really good things take a long time. They do. Patience. patience. Yeah, patience. Yeah. Oh, that's my um, psychic. What's right. the word? No, it's my cosmic lesson. Right. Tell us what you're eating and how is it? Okay, so I forgot the actual name. Uh, Capellini? Capellini. Capellini. Oh, Capellini and Hand, is that what you yes, got? Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I got. Excellent so it's angel order. hair pasta. It, had, it tastes like the tomato sauce is like fresh. Like it tastes so good. The pasta has a different texture than I'm used to, actually, as well. It feels more hearty, which is kind of interesting. But it's delicious. Gentle. I love it. It's, it's more al dente. Al dente. They do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you like it? Yes, it's delicious. Okay. Well, I am having a Candido special, which he makes for me <laughs> just because he's so good to me. But it's tomatoes, uh, um, burrata, and prosciutto. And it is a perfect, perfect meal. And it's so gorgeous, and the pictures will be up. Jules, what are you having? Well, first of all, you win because you have the dish that looks like fall. You've got the yellow <laughs> and the brown. Even and, yes, every, you perfect. are dressed more like fall. <laughs> well, who knew what to wear today? Oh, my God. Um, so the Vitello Tonato is the, the very finely cut veal in the tuna sauce. I just find it summer or winter, fall, it doesn't matter. It's my favorite lunch dish because 
it's it's got the good protein, right? Um, and if I go running, it's like I just need that right. protein. A little bit of arugula on it, and the capers are my, fantastic. Yes, my Swedish and Norwegian side always loves capers. <laughs> well, I don't know Swedish Norwegian side, and I love capers. Oh, oh yeah. I love them. Yeah. These are the big ones. So this is my favorite go-to. Um, so it. it it's significant. It doesn't. It doesn't look. That's like a exactly lot, but what I was going to say. Up. It mm-hmm. it is significant, but you're going to walk away not feeling heavy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You are listening to lunch with Shelley. So I do love art, um, and I not only decided to minor in it when I was at Georgetown, uh, which I adored, but when I went to San Francisco, I really got. A much stronger aesthetic. There's so much beautiful art out there. If you go to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art right now, it it is competitive with anything in New York, if not, well, just amazing. Um, and what was interesting is that for a while when I was on the board of Enterprise for High School Students, they were the uh, charitable recipient of the San Francisco Fall Antique Show. So that meant I was kind of chair as involved with that. Oh, yeah, so, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, so that was wonderful. It was just the, it just was fantastic. But as we went towards that, that was an annual event. We wanted to do something to keep interest going. So I started um, chairing also the art tour. So it was a matter of my reaching out to secure half a dozen San Francisco families who were willing to open their home and have a smattering of people, six to ten, come into their homes and look at their art, maybe have a discussion about it, and then we would all go back to the San Francisco Art Institute and have a cocktail party, and everyone was just fired up and excited about art. So I love that. And then kind of the Spanish. I mean, sadly, I don't have enough opportunity to practice my Spanish. Well, say that in Spanish. <laughs> Not right now. Yo estudio español en escuela. And, you know, no practicar. And, you know. I really thought we were going to converse, Jules. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up collecting Latin American figurative art. So, oh. I mean, a lot of the, the genesis of my love for that was in Potomac, um, going to church at a Spanish little monastery, which was Our Lady of uh, American... Wait. Um, Our Lady of Guadalupe, which was the American Franciscan um, kind of headquarters there. That's now in, uh, in... It was in Potomac. It's a private home now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why was it The in Academy Potomac? of American Franciscan History, and it was Our Lady of Guadalupe Church. So it was this cute little place that, honestly, when they did sell it, I really kind of lost my religion. Really? Truly. Yeah, it just it meant so much more to me than Our Lady of Mercy, where I went right. to school. That or Christ Georgetown, who we love, yes. and they follow this podcast. Oh, really? I know. Okay. Right. Yes, and that's right around the corner from me on the street. Right, and I'm a Such member nice at um, or a parishioner at uh, Trinity. Oh, um, I I'm a bit lapsed. I don't go enough, but. Um, but that's because my little monastery church went away. Well, were you living in Potomac, and so it was convenient, or you would hustle exactly. out there? Exactly, I could walk oh, to okay. it. Yeah, and sometimes I would just Small go for a run. Small is good. Yeah. yeah, I would go for a run and just pop in there and kneel down and just pray. You're kidding. Just, no, I love In it. your running clothes? Yeah. And then, Temple is so not like that. <laughs> now, the art that I have has a lot of religious imagery in it, and so it's not because it's religious, it just feels evocative and interesting yeah. and tells a story and it's warm so I have a lot of the that uh, 
art in my home and people always ask questions. Yeah, my uh, parents were very friendly with a Mexican family. We all were. I think we sort of lost touch. But when they were very friendly with this Mexican family, for some reason they became very friendly with this Mexican artist. And so they had Mexican art in our house in Wilkesbury, which oh, we just sold. You're kidding. And Sam was the only one that really, really wanted it. So Sam has like two or three terrific pieces from this Mexican artist who seems storied and has. Do you know which a one provenance. it is? No, I'll get back to okay, you. Okay, no, I, we can call Sam, Sam and I. Yeah, we'll, right. Sam and we'll I will get together Sam's on that. Sam's apartment again. No, he and we'll have Sam come over it. to my house. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you can check fun. out yours. Yeah. That would be fun. Did you see this morning, um, and it was on the Today Show, and you know I love the Today Show, but this morning um, there was a piece oh, of Picasso, Picasso art. Yes. 139 million. And it sat uh, on a woman's mantelpiece for, I don't know how many years, it doesn't matter, but the point is, A, she loved the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. I would love to have had that in my house. Mm-hmm. And to your point, just drink some wine mm-hmm. and just stare at that art. Yep. You know, good, bad, or indifferent day. Well, you question, what is the subject? Why is the subject looking a certain way? What, what does that brush stroke mean? I mean, I have a one piece in my house that literally is a guessing game for everyone who comes in. And everyone says something new about it sees it in a different way. Have so, I seen it? I think uh, you haven't been in a while. I know. But yeah, it's, it's the Colombian artist. Um, he died of AIDS. Um, and it's, uh, so from 97, I think he, he passed. But it's beautiful. I just love the color. It's kind of a henna color. Um, and it, it just has a lot of passion that in it. That sounds so pretty. It, it's Nobody just, uses the word henna as a color. <laughs> That's a really good descriptor. Seriously. It is. And it's very fall. It is. <laughs> keep, we're on, on theme. theme. We're on theme. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it's wonderful. It's just like people come in and they want to, they ask right away. And it's a great way to see both sides. Again, going back to our discussion, bipartisan. Someone can come in and see that that's a man, and then what is that other thing? And is it another man? Is it a leg? Is it, is it right? What is it? And so it opens up this discussion, and so no one can have any prejudice because no one knows the truth. You're just getting down to what do you see? What do you interpret? You're listening to Lunch with Shelley. Well, tell us more about sports in Washington. So I think that we are having about to be in a heyday for sports here. You know, we're still waiting for the Nats to be sold. Um, they've had a great run. They need to get better. Uh, the Commanders, obviously, they cleaned some house. I think the leadership there, Josh Harris and um, Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, and then, you know, their president, Jason Wright, all are doing such a phenomenal job. I think the team is coming together. Great win, great game last week. That was an awesome one. Yeah, and um, I'm surprising. Hoping, my gosh, it was it was white knuckle. It was the entire a really time. good yes. football weekend. It was. It was <laughs> because just by the way, the Eagles beat the Cowboys in a nail biter. Yes. It was crazy. No Cowboys. No Cowboys. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, no, I think sports, uh, I am very excited to get behind more of all the sports leaders 
um, you know, from what, what is exciting is uh, the V Foundation just has scored an incredible win with becoming the partner as a, the um, charitable recipient for all of national hockey. So the NHL, Wait, say that again? all of national hockey, the National Hockey League now has um, anointed the uh, V Foundation as their charitable recipient. You're so that's, kidding. We're partners That's now incredible. For all and the, the NHL. Well, Sam has been involved with a dear friend of mine, Nick Lewis, who sometimes listens, uh, who does... Um, uh, some terrific events around uh, the NHL uh-huh. and the Stanley Cup comes here every yep. year. Yep, yep. I should introduce you guys. Yes, oh, I'd love that. Yeah, yeah. and in fact, my dinner tonight is with um, uh, Shane Jacobson, who's the CEO of the V Foundation for Cancer Research, and he's meeting with some NHL people this afternoon. And we have just great plans for what we can do. And November 18th is going to be the announcement at the Capitol Center of the new partnership. That's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Oh, yeah. No, it's very exciting. And I think that, you know, we don't need to stop with that. We can go on to football and baseball and um, any other, you know, the Solheim Cup is coming here, too. I mean, anything we can do with sports. I think it's healthy. It's active. Jimmy Valvano was all about kids getting out there, well, you know, adults, whatever, but really being involved with sports. Right. So any sport is going to be a good sport. Well, and Joe, Joe Theismann is so involved with your group. Joe is very involved. Thank you for saying that because he has done so much for my event here and he has just, he's a man who just gets better and better every day of his life. He is so giving and so wonderful. Well, um, I will never forget, I wasn't really a football fan until uh, Nelson and I Uh, have been together, so about 12 years. But my girlfriend growing up was a huge Redskins fan from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, which is so funny because her father had uh, season Giants tickets. Oh. But anyway, Jennifer would make me watch football with her when we were, you know, six, seven, eight, I don't even know how old, in her den because she really had a crush on Joe Theismann. (laughs) Who was also a really, really good player. But we were literally watching TV when his leg <gasps> broke. Oh, I know. We, I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how old I was, but it was shocking. I mean, we were all, you know, the whole country was like, <gasps> do you remember? Right. Yeah. And, of um, course you remember. Actually, Joe told me the story that he and Robin. You're too young to remember. <laughs> Did you ever see that video, though? Oh, my God. So he and his his wife, Robin, were driving to the stadium, and he remarked, oh, my gosh, this is the absolute anniversary of the day that I had that happen to my leg. I can't remember the date exactly. But then he gets to the stadium, and the quarterback, they were playing the same team. The quarterback broke his leg the same way. Oh, no. And it was the same score, only in reverse. When was this? Uh, when did that happen? So this is probably 10 years ago. I don't know exactly, but literally Crazy. that is just an irony. Joe told me that story and it just sends chills up your spine. Wow. Yeah. Well, so November 18th is the announcement. Yes. And then NHL. November 20th, oh, something else is happening. <laughs> it's Julie's birthday. It's also Joe Biden's birthday. Okay. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're the Republican who That's didn't remember hilarious. that, and I'm the Democrat. Oh, my God. I don't think anybody knows that, Jules. No. Except for somebody who's born on the 20th. Well, yeah, because he and I have <laughs> talked about it. But it really? Jokingly. Yeah, oh, I mean, you Lord. know, 
it's the 20th. Well, it's my birthday. We're good Scorpios. <laughs> Come on. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, any birthday wishes you can share with the audience? Oh, my gosh. Just good health. I, I do have a few friends with cancer right now, and I just got an email yesterday that just is so upsetting. I just really want a year where everyone continues to get out of this pandemic. I mean, we're we're pretty much there, but there's still some, you know, yeah, I'm in the world of real estate, the residue. economic cycles. Yeah. yeah, come on. So get past that and be healthy and enjoy and travel and preferably travel without all the problems. Um, it's not that fun to fly these days, so can we please make that more pleasant? Um, so just everyone get out, have fun. Have lunch with Shelly. Have lunch with Shelly. <laughs> well, that's perfect. So I think that we will close our time with Julie because she's terribly important and we have to move on for our day. But I want to thank you so much for coming. I knew it would be so fun. I was looking forward to this forever. Oh, I'm totally honored, Shelly. Please. Oh, please. It is my <laughs> pleasure. I am so thrilled to host you. Cleavon, it's always great to have you. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Julie is the coolest. I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. I also want to thank my, do, my new great friend, Anna Marion Block, for taking photos, which you guys will see when we're um, posting this. But... Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Cleavon and Anna Marion. And in the meantime, peace, love, and lunch. Mm-hmm.